For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Humans have been enjoying wine for 8,000 years or more, and there's never been entry exams, literacy tests, diplomas, or membership fees. You can go as far or deep as you want, or just take it all in and find your happy place. That being said, we like to spend our week looking for things that we can share with you in this space and time. We'll give you food for thought, ideas for adventures, and most weeks, tips, pointers, and insights that you can use the minute the program ends. Wine has always united us. It still does. And we've never needed that more. So climb aboard. There is no time like the present to get your adventure started. So here's your host, the doctor of deliciousness, the chairman of the Bordeaux, the top gun of wine fun, David Wilson. Wow, what a difference a day makes. This morning, my plans for today's show took a complete 180. I've been working on this week's show for a number of days because in the middle of the night about a week ago, I had one of those aha moments where I started thinking about a parallel between one of the biggest headlines in the last month and the iconic event that took place back in 1976, the legendary Judgment of Paris. Now, I'm not going to tell you what the news story is that I'm referring to because I'm going to do that comparison and dive deep into that particular subject next week instead of this week. And that's because I woke up to a very important story for anybody that calls themselves a wine enthusiast. And I should probably say for anybody that's a patriotic American. It's a story that both filled my heart with sadness, but also reminded me of the gladness that I feel about the person that I'm going to be talking about today, because it's somebody that forever changed my view of wine, and on a grander scale, my view of life. So, long before I knew anything about wine, and I do mean anything, I used to travel regularly between California and Hawaii, where I did business with a fellow by the name of Frank, who was a fine art dealer. I should probably remind you that before I got into broadcasting, I ran a pretty substantial marketing firm. Anyway, in a short period of time, Frank and I became close friends, and so when I traveled to Hawaii, I would often stay at his house on the north shore of Oahu. On one of my visits to Hawaii, Frank invited me to come with him to a wine tasting event at the Kanapali Beach Hotel on Maui. And that's just a handful of miles above Lahaina, where that terrible tragedy took place a few months ago. Anyway, like I said, I knew absolutely nothing about wine, so I was pretty concerned about looking like a fool around a bunch of wine experts, very pretentious ones. And if you know me and you know this show, you know it was because of pretentious people that I started the show to begin with. Anyway, it wasn't very long before at this event that I started feeling very out of place and claustrophobic. 
So I asked Frank if we could take a little break and hang out outside for a while on a grassy area, just a short distance from where all the action was taking place. So we're sitting there shooting the breeze, and all of a sudden, Frank's eyes lit up, and he told me to come with him as quickly as possible. I quickly learned that the cause for his excitement was a man who looked to be in his late 50s or early 60s sporting a beret on his head. And there are not a lot of people who wear berets in Hawaii. But anyway, Frank told me that this man was one of the most iconic figures in the wine industry and that he absolutely positively had to meet him. He told me that the man's name was Mike Gergich and that a few years back, the man had been responsible for almost single-handedly putting California wines on the map. Now, I failed to see the excitement in meeting this fellow, but I tagged along as Frank swiftly made his way across the lawn to where the man was standing. And it wasn't long before the three of us were sitting on the grass, and I remained completely silent as my friend gushed with enthusiasm. The good news was, this man was amazingly humble, kind, knowledgeable, friendly, and deeply entertaining. So we talked for maybe 20, maybe 30 minutes, and then we went our separate ways. Admittedly, it was a pleasant experience, but it would be several years before I recalled that memory and fully understood just how important this fellow in the beret was. In the years that followed, I eventually graduated from jug wines and wines in a box, and frankly, it wasn't until I made the acquaintance of another man who also turned out to be iconic in the wine industry that my passion for wine blossomed into what would become a career as a food and wine journalist. This second icon was a man named Dr. Stanley Hoffman, who had been a central figure in the development of the fledgling Central Coast wine region of California. I've talked about Stan Hoffman extensively on this show, but for now, let's just stay focused on Mike Gergich. Several years after that chance encounter in Hawaii, I came to realize just how important Mike Gergich was to California and really the American wine industry at large. Mike was the central figure in an event that took place in 1976 called the Judgment of Paris. And even though at the time that event took place, I wasn't really into wine, I did recall hearing about how a panel of French judges preferred the California wines in the competition over the wines from French producers. I remember hearing that story and thinking to myself, wow, that's pretty cool. Then I filed the story away on some dusty shelf in my head, not realizing at the time how important these things that I'm telling you about would become later in life. I'm telling you all of this because this week, Mike left us at the remarkable age of 100 years old. Anybody that's enthusiastic about wine, especially California wine, probably has a decent amount of knowledge about Mike Gergich and the 1976 Judgment of Paris, which was won by Mike. To be more specific, Mike's Chateau Montalena Chardonnay won in the white wine category, and remarkably, California winemakers also won in the red wine category as well. The impact of this competition reverberated throughout the wine industry worldwide like a thousand cathedral bells all clanging at the same time. While it's hard to say what would have happened if this competition had never taken place or if California wines had not scored such a decisive victory, I think most people who know wine well see that remarkable victory as the catalyst that ignited the extraordinary success that California wines enjoy today. For reasons that will become clear shortly, saying goodbye to Mike strikes a very personal chord because in the early days of this show, Mike reappeared in my life. 
many years after that chance meeting in Hawaii. In fact, about 11 years ago, I answered my cell phone and was stunned to discover that Mike Gergich was on the other end of the line. What followed was more quality time with Mike than I probably deserve and a trip to the Smithsonian National Museum of American History to report on the unveiling of their new exhibit called Food, Transforming the American Table 1950-2000, to which included artifacts like the award-winning bottle of Mike's wine, his signature beret, and the small suitcase he carried at the age of 10 when his father made the decision to send Mike away because he couldn't manage their Yugoslavian household consisting of two parents and 11 children. More on that shortly. Anyway, in the coming days, there will be many stories shared about Mike Gergich. Some stories will be quite similar, I'm sure. But I'm also sure that there's no shortage of personal encounters that, collectively, will paint the portrait of one of the most extraordinary people I've ever met. If you'll kindly indulge me, I'd love to share some very special memories of my time with Mike. I should note that he was nearly 90 when we became fast friends, so as time went on, Mike became less accessible. But nonetheless, he loved being with people and continued to share his stories with those of us who adored him well into his 90s. I am deeply indebted to Mike for the wisdom, insight, and humor he shared with me. All that being said, let's spend the rest of this hour celebrating this truly extraordinary man and all that he gave to wine enthusiasts and the world at large. Mike had a favorite saying that he shared with me the very first time we met. He said, always drink wine instead of water. That's because water separates continents, but wine brings people together. I think it's more than safe to say that this week's episode of Grape Encounters is the most deeply personal episode that I've ever done. Because my Gergich taught me so much and completely changed my view of wine. After I heard the news and after I had a few minutes to sit down and think about what I wanted to share with you, I started making a list and there were actually almost exactly 10 different things that I want to reflect upon. And I'm pretty sure that most of them are things that nobody else will probably talk about because they are so deeply personal. So as I told you, the first time I met Mike Gergich was in Hawaii many years ago. But the second time I met Mike was of all places in the Palm Springs area. Mike had a home in Rutherford, California, which is in the Napa Valley. But in the wintertime, he would come to Palm Springs where the weather is absolutely perfect. His winter home was in the town of La Quinta, which is one of the nine or 10 different cities that make up the Coachella Valley. Anyway, I had just moved to the desert a few months before I met Mike. And how I met Mike is probably one of the funniest stories of all the stories I can tell about my life with wine. And so we're going to take a break for a moment here and we're going to come back and I'll share that second meeting with Mike in just a second. At MM Organics, we're surrounded by health nuts. That's because we're obsessed with lowering blood pressure, cholesterol, and the risk of cancer. We want to make weight loss easier and help you strengthen everything from your heart to your teeth, nails, and hair. Full disclosure. 
Those health nuts are actually dry-farmed heirloom certified organic raw walnuts. Rich with essential vitamins and nutrients, they're vastly superior to other nuts. Imagine, walnuts can actually lower stress and boost your brain power. No wonder MM Organics customers are so darn smart. MMOrganics.com is where you'll find our uniquely irresistible raw walnuts, walnut butter, oil and flour, sprouted flavored walnuts, and decadent fair trade chocolate covered walnuts, which pair beautifully with our legendary two horse port style wine. MMOrganics.com, eating any other nuts is just plain nuts. They say that birds of a feather flock together. So chances are, if you love wine, so do your family members and friends. Which means that holiday shopping couldn't be easier than at your Total Wine and More. My favorite gifts to give are precisely the same as the gifts I love to get. The best holiday gifts have to meet three criteria. One, they have to give you pleasure. Two, they make you feel special. And three, they show really good taste or taste really good. That's why Total Wine & More is my hands-down favorite place to shop for friends and family. From epic cabs for discerning dads, to champagne bliss for your first-class sis, or a special perk for a friend at work. At Total Wine, just step inside for expert advice from a friendly guide. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. This week, the world has lost a titan in the wine industry. He leaves a legacy that is just unmatched by anybody in the industry. His contribution to the success of California wine and really American wine is second to none. Mike Gurich did not just put California wine on the map. He spent most of a hundred years keeping it on the map by making himself available to wine lovers from all around the world. While most people would have probably retired decades ago, Mike Gurich literally dedicated his life to connecting with people. And it didn't matter whether you were a wine expert, a wine geek, a casual wine drinker, or someone who, for whatever reason, doesn't drink wine at all. I remember the first time I sat down to interview Mike. I wanted to get a better understanding of the Gergich Hills brand and Mike's role in the company at the age of nearly 90 years old. There's a vintage train that travels up and down the Napa Valley and stops right in front of the Gergich Hills winery. The first time I ever saw Mike in his native environment, he was sitting in the chair near the place where travelers on the train disembarked. Within seconds of the train coming to a stop, Mike was surrounded by his fans, and he would sit in his chair posing for pictures and giving out autographs for as long as people wanted. For many, if not most, it was the highlight of their wine life, and even the biggest crowbar would be challenged to separate Mike from the people who loved him and his wines. Without any doubt, Mike was one of the most unpretentious wine producers I've ever met. My second encounter with Mike Gergich took place long after our casual meeting in Hawaii. And actually, it took place in the Coachella Valley where Palm Springs is located. I'd been living in the mountains for many years, the mountains above the Coachella Valley at an elevation above 5,000 feet where snowfalls would often close roads for weeks at a time. It had been a hard time for me for a number of personal reasons. And whether I realized it or not, I was long overdue for a change. 
It just so happened that my show was being carried on the leading news and talk station in Palm Springs, and I developed a terrific relationship with the program director there, who clearly recognized that I was on the verge of crashing and burning. He suggested the unthinkable to me, pull up my roots in the mountains that I loved so much and move down to the desert where his station was located. I could use their studios to produce my show, and I might even get the opportunity to do live radio as a fill-in host. I thought the idea was madness, but he convinced me to come down and spend a weekend with him, which I did. And in those two days, I realized that the desert was actually pretty amazing. Maybe he was right. Maybe it was time for a change. So I decided to take a leap of faith. One day while working in the station, one of the salespeople mentioned to me that they had met Mike Gergich the night before at an event in Palm Springs. What was he doing so far away from the Napa Valley? It turns out that he actually had a home in La Quinta, a beautiful Coachella Valley town that's hard not to love. And apparently he was a regular fixture at an extraordinary grocery store chain called Jensen's Finest Foods. And it just so happened that I knew the owner of this grocery chain very well because he lived in Lake Arrowhead, just like I did. Down in the desert, they had a beautiful store. Actually, they had a couple of stores and the stores had a huge selection of wine and a large area devoted to events where people like Mike could come and share their wines with the public. Now, by this time, I knew precisely who Mike was, and I was thirsty for the opportunity to meet him and get him on the air. If I could accomplish that, he'd be the most important and high-profile guest I'd ever had on my show in its third year of broadcasting. I was determined to make the connection, but before I could even start, something crazy happened. I had just moved into a very pretty apartment complex that had about a million swimming pools. My apartment was perfect, but had some maintenance issues. The first time I called the maintenance department for assistance, I was helped by a fellow who apparently was in charge of maintenance. He had a thick accent, but was very helpful. The next time I had a maintenance issue, a receptionist told me that their maintenance person was not available, but he'd call me back shortly, so please be available to take his call. Within less than an hour, my phone rang, and the area code was a Palm Springs number. When I answered the phone, a man with a thick accent said to me, Hello, is this Mr. David Wilson? I said, yes, thanks so much for calling me back so quickly. I'd really like to get my oven fixed as soon as possible. The man seemed baffled and said, Your oven? I do not understand. I said, yeah, this time I need you to look at my oven. Can we schedule a time for you to come by? The man said, I'm sorry, Mr. Wilson. I don't know anything about fixing ovens. I said, are you from the maintenance department? He said, no, I am Mike Gergich. I said, wait a second, what did you say? What did you say your name was? He said, my name is Mike Gergich. I said, Mike Gergich, are you serious? He said with a smile in his voice, yes, I'm Mike Gergich. I said, Mike Gergich, the judgment of Paris, Mike Gergich? He said, yes, again with a smile in his voice. I said, Mr. Gergich, this is the greatest honor of my life. I can't believe you're calling me. I've been wanting to contact you to let you know that I live in your town and that I'd love to have you on a radio program that I'm the host of. He told me he knew about my program and that a man by the name of David Mirisu had encouraged him to call me. David Mirisu is no lightweight. He's a member of the legendary Mirisu family who I believe have been producing wine for eight generations. 
A few weeks prior, I had the good fortune of having David Mirasu on my show because I was in the right place at the right time. I was visiting a wine event in Orange County and just was so lucky to have been introduced to David, who actually came up to my hotel room where I was staying, which was right above where the event was taking place, and we did a spontaneous interview right then and there. Wow, if Mike would do the interview with me, that would be two heavyweights in just a couple of weeks. As I said earlier, life had not been kind to me recently, so maybe, just maybe, my luck was changing. Anyway, it turns out that David had told Mike that he had a wonderful time doing the interview with me and suggested that Mike might call me. And I told Mike that he probably didn't know this, but that I lived in his town. And he said, you live in Rutherford? That's the town in the Napa Valley where Gurga Chills is located. I said, no. I said, I understand that you live in La Quinta and I live in the Palm Desert. And he said, wonderful. Then we shall have lunch together today. And wow, what a lunch that was. By this time, I had a very keen grasp on just how important Mike Gergich was to the wine industry. What I didn't realize was just how much he was loved by people. Mike instructed me to meet him at a little bistro in La Quinta, and his assistant and driver brought him over there. We were no sooner seated at our table before people started to come up one after another. They wanted to talk to Mike. They wanted to get their pictures with Mike. He might as well have been Brad Pitt. He was a superstar, and I just sat there in awe, and maybe, maybe just a little bit jealous. But you know what? He earned all of the love that he was getting because he has given so, so much. And there is not nearly enough time in this show to detail all of the contributions that he has made. It's not just about the judgment of Paris and the attention that he brought to American and California wine. It's so many other things. For instance, discovering and proving that Zinfandel wines that we thought originated in Italy actually came from his native Croatia. It is just a major revelation, and he's been associated with so many wine industry milestones. It's just overwhelming to take it all in. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters, and a salute and a goodbye to our dear friend, Mike Gergich. about to tell you may sound like I'm bragging, but it's true. At holiday parties, everyone hopes they get me as their secret Santa. That's because the gifts I give are so darn fine, because I fill my sleigh at Total Wine. Total Wine and more, that's for sure. From single barrel bourbons to magical Merlots, to bubbles galore that tickle your nose, remarkable Riesling, incomparable cab, if it's from Total Wine, it's gotta be fab. Wines to perfectly pair with your holiday dishes. Ask an expert to help you choose something delicious. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. 
At every family gathering, my brother Steve and I each bring several bottles of wines and try to one-up each other. I bring wines from all over. Steve only brings wines from California's Mendocino wine country, where he's lived for decades. And even though there are hundreds of great wineries there he can choose from, he mostly brings wines from the Graziano family of wines. Now you'd think you'd see a lot of duplicates from past gatherings since most producers only make 6 to 12 wines, but Graziano has 5 brands that make literally dozens, upwards of 30 mostly Italian varietals, and all rock stars. Made by the real rock star, Greg Graziano. You can hear my recent interview with Greg at GrapeEncounters.com and you can find Graziano wines all over America or buy them online at GrazianoFamilyOfWines.com. I've never confessed how much I love Graziano wines to my brother and uh, let's keep it that way. There are many things that I can say for certain about Mike Gergich, but one of those is that I don't think that I know anybody who has made more memories for more people than Mike, because Mike Gergich was somebody who paid very close attention to anybody that he spoke to. He was never indifferent. He was always engaged. He was always interested. He was always humble. He never saw himself as better than anybody else. Quite the opposite. He treated every person like they were the most important person in the world. I wish to God that I had been able to spend more quality time with Mike than I did, but you know, it was so amazing that I met him many years ago in Hawaii and that I didn't realize at that time that I was truly in the presence of greatness. And then lo and behold, years later, I develop a passion for wine and I get the opportunity to spend quality time, a lot of quality time with a true hero of the industry and somebody who has brought more pride to Americans than most people that you can think of. It's been a true privilege. There are people who are 60 or 70 or 80 years old or even older that have had massively more experiences with Mike than I have. But even what I was gifted with is just so unforgettable. I want to just share a couple of things with you that maybe you'll enjoy. One of them has to do with a trip that I was planning to go up to the Napa Valley and do some interviews up there. And I was hoping to be able to catch up with Mike on that trip, but he informed me that he wouldn't be there. And I just casually asked him, what hotels would you recommend me staying at? I haven't stayed in the Napa Valley for a long time. And he said, David, you will sleep in my bed. And I, <laughs> I wasn't sure how to react to that statement. I giggled. I go, I'm going to sleep in your bed. Where are you going to sleep? And he said, I won't be home. He said, you go to the winery. They will have have a key for you there and you will sleep in my bed. Well, he had a house right on the property there, a really cute little house. 
And we knew each other to offer something like that to me just on the faith that I was an honest person, somebody that he could trust was something that I took as one of the biggest compliments you could possibly pay to somebody. And I stayed two nights at Mike's house and I just sat there reflecting on what it was like to be this person, what his life must have been like, and what a privilege to just be able to be behind the scenes and see the Napa Valley and the Gergich vineyards through Mike's eyes. It was one of the greatest honors I could possibly think of and something I will never forget for the rest of my life. Another wonderful memory that I'd like to share is something that happened a couple of days before Valentine's Day. I had wanted to do a, a quick interview with Mike to get his thoughts about Valentine's Day and maybe what do you give somebody for Valentine's Day. And I also told him that I was in a very serious relationship and that I was struggling with what I want to do. And he told me that I should write something from the heart that perhaps I should explain what love is. And I like to think of myself as a diehard romantic as well, but what he was describing was something that I, I wasn't sure exactly how to approach. And I said, I wish you could tell her for me. And he said, I can do that. And I said, you can. And I said, can I record you? <laughs> and I was really just having a little fun with him. And he said, yes, of course. He said, I will record the message for you. I will tell her what love is. So I set up the equipment really quick and I hit record and he just took off without taking a breath. He talks quite slowly, but still the amount of content that he put out there and these really deep and amazing insights into love that he had were just extraordinary. I think of myself as a writer, but I don't think I could have come even close to writing what he put out there. And as I said, without even taking a breath, I took his recording, the recording I made with him, and I put some soft, pretty music behind it. And I put it on a CD and I gave it to her. And she was definitely moved to tears. But I think the tears were because she was with me and not with Mike, who was the real romantic in this scene. Oh, Lordy. All right. There's something else about Mike's legacy that I really want to say today. And I have actually talked about this a number of times on the show over the years, but particularly today, I want to make sure that there's something that you all understand because it's really, to me, a great travesty that happened some years ago. And here's what it is. There is a movie that came out and I think many of you, most of you have probably seen it and probably many, if not most of you, loved it. It was a movie called Bottle Shock. It is a movie called Bottle Shock. And I have had so many people over the years, when I've mentioned The Judgment of Paris, they bring up the movie Bottle Shock and they say, oh yeah, I know everything about The Judgment of Paris. I saw the movie about it, Bottle Shock. And I really need to say this. It was really truly, in my opinion, this is my opinion only, a really grave 
injustice where Mike is concerned. And it's something that I know, at least from interviewing him, that it was very upsetting to him because the movie gets some things right. It acts like a documentary, and it is not. The character that produces the wine in the movie didn't exist. The person who produced the wine was Mike. And Hollywood did a horrible disservice to a man who really brought so much respect, so much acclaim to this country and why in the world they would literally rip the credit that he richly deserved out of his hands is beyond me. It was so unnecessary. You know, if you're going to write a fiction film, write a fiction film, if you're going to produce a documentary, but please don't mix them. They don't mix. It's really something that I have felt very strongly about over the years. It didn't take a rocket scientist for me to quickly realize what I was seeing and how incredibly inappropriate and unfair it was. Because it could have been a great movie if it was just a film inspired by the judgment of Paris and didn't include so much information that was right out of the pages of history, but omitted the most important element, which was this man who came from Croatia with less than $40 in his possession and a suitcase full of everything that he owned and found his way to higher education and through perseverance and intellect and hard work created some of the finest wines that were ever made at that time, if not the finest wines that were ever made at that time. And it was just wrong to try to mix, as I said, a documentary with a fictitious film. It misled a lot of people. When I owned the wine bar on the central coast of California, the topic of bottle shock and the judgment of Paris came up so many times. I'm not kidding when I tell you it came up hundreds of times. And I got so sick and tired of explaining to people just how wrong this was. I'll take this moment to really make that point very clear. And I don't mean to get on my high horse about this, but Mike earned the right for the truth to be told. There's really nothing I detest more than misinformation. And I just tend to get on my high horse more and more frequently because there is just so much misinformation that gets spread where wine is concerned. And if you've listened to some of my shows about some of the stuff that's printed online, I just go ballistic when the truth is not told or when people are irresponsible. And so many of the stories that I read and so many of the reviews of wines that I read are just written by artificial intelligence programs. And honestly, there's a lot of things I love about artificial intelligence, but its ability to produce mass amounts of material that is completely in error, completely made up, just drives me insane. I know that's not the same thing as a Hollywood motion picture company putting out an erroneous film or a misleading film, but it's all part of the same mess that facts are getting harder and harder to find, true facts. Ultimately, it's our fault for reading it. It's our fault for clicking on it anyway. I'll continue to be passionate about that. But for the moment, I feel very blessed to have the opportunity to just share some of my personal experiences where Mike is 
concerned, we've got a little bit more time left. We'll take a quick break here and we will be right back with more Great Encounters. Words can be very confusing. When you're crazy, people say that you're nuts. But what if you're crazy about nuts? Well, that doesn't mean that you should be sent to the funny farm. It means that you should be sent to the farm of MM Organics, the producers of organic heirloom walnuts and walnut products that are so incomparably unique and delicious, other nuts will be reduced to wallflowers. Whoops, there we go with those crazy meanings of words again. After all, if being a wallflower means disappearing into the background, then why does being a walnut from MM Organics mean standing out from the rest? Confused? Well, you won't be when you discover the glorious deliciousness of walnut halves, baking pieces, fair trade chocolate covered walnuts, and other scrumptious walnut products from MM Organics. Learn more and order yours at mmorganics.com, where you'll also find our utterly irresistible two horse Portuguese dessert wine that everyone goes nuts for. Get crazy at mmorganics.com. At Bar Dog, we believe that every dog deserves a life of unconditional love. That's why we've teamed up with Petfinder Foundation to establish the Bar Dog Operations Grant. Money from this grant goes to rescue shelters across North America and helps save animals awaiting their forever homes. Visit bardogwine.com to find a bottle near you and help Bar Dog give back. Bar Dog, wine for humans, love for dogs. They say that birds of a feather flock together. So chances are, if you love wine, so do your family members and friends. Which means that holiday shopping couldn't be easier than at your Total Wine & More. My favorite gifts to give are precisely the same as the gifts I love to get. The best holiday gifts have to meet three criteria. One, they have to give you pleasure. Two, they make you feel special. And three, they show really good taste or taste really good. That's why Total Wine & More is my hands-down favorite place to shop for friends and family. From epic cabs for discerning dads, to champagne bliss for your first-class sis, or a special perk for a friend at work. At Total Wine, just step inside for expert advice from a friendly guide. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Well, we've got just under 10 minutes to wrap up this week's episode of Grape Encounters Radio, and I can't think of a greater privilege than spending this hour with you, discussing the remarkable contributions to the wine industry and American history made by Mike Gergich. As I mentioned earlier, numerous books and articles have explored the life of this truly amazing and frankly courageous man who left home at age 10 during a deeply tumultuous time in his native country, Yugoslavia. The little suitcase he carried into an uncertain world now resides appropriately in the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History alongside a bottle of Mike's legendary wine and his signature beret. Eleven years ago, curators at the Smithsonian extended a special invitation for me to fly to Washington and broadcast my program from this unique exhibit. I vividly recall the deep emotions as I was welcomed at a private entrance to the museum in the morning, well before America's most important museum opened its doors to the public. 
I was ushered to the exhibit containing Mike's belongings, not only conducting an extensive interview with the curator about the well-deserved honor for Mike, but also was escorted across the hallway to an exhibit that held Julia Child's entire kitchen, an invitation to cover a second story. Never have I felt more in touch with the best of America. Despite Mike's unmistakably Croatian accent, he stands as one of the most patriotic Americans you could ever meet. Though our friendship was in its early stages, I felt profoundly connected to this extraordinary man, and the Smithsonian's invitation to honor him remains one of the greatest privileges I've ever received. In celebration of Mike's 90th birthday, I joined a small group of journalists invited to taste not the vintage Chardonnay that won the Paris tasting, but the following year's vintage, which I've been told was remarkably similar. The shocking revelation was how wonderfully the wine had aged over the years. In one of the many interviews conducted with Mike over a decade ago, the 90-year-old shared his thoughts about being enshrined in America's most prestigious museum. In the same conversation, he revealed his secret to wine longevity. Not surprisingly, the same secret to his own longevity. I am so glad that 16 years ago I made the decision to preserve every interview I've ever done on Grape Encounters Radio. And I believe it's a fitting way to conclude the show. This tribute is one of the many you'll find online in the coming days. And I encourage you to take the time to listen and read about a man whose determination, skill, and commitment to patriotism and positivity are truly peerless. In an age where fault-finding is prevalent, let's not lose sight of the virtues that make us distinctly American. Finding encouragement in the words of our dear friend, Mike Gergich. You are featured in an exhibit in the Smithsonian Institute. And tell us about that. That's got a bunch of your personal effects and also has, what, a 1973 Chateau Montalena Chardonnay, right? A 1996 Smithsonian Institute came to Napa Valley. Talking about wines and that maybe they might exhibit some of the good wines in their institutes because it was none yet. The first two wines that was accepted for Museum of American History was Warren Wynarski Cabernet, 73, that won Paris Tasting, and my 73 Chardonnay, that won the highest score on Paris Tasting, 132 points. How many bottles of that Chardonnay do you think exist in the world today? You know, somewhere, somebody has a cabinet in their home that has a bottle of that sitting way back in the back that they don't realize what they have, don't you think? They will realize if they listen to this story. Yeah, exactly. The story is that in London last year was auctioned one bottle of 73 Chardonnay that I have made got $11,300 for one bottle of Chardonnay. That was a bargain. Yeah. That was a bargain. Somebody got a bargain. It's a good thing the economy is lousy. But it was $6 at it the was time $6. of release. <laughs> 
best investment ever. In lots of places in the world, there are bottles of wine sitting that are waiting to be discovered. Have you ever come across anything like that? I didn't, but I do guess that there is at least a thousand bottles somewhere around. Yeah. Mostly for people who forgot about it. It's uh, collecting dust. My question is, do you have a bottle, the Chardonnay that won the Judgment of Paris? Do you have one of those in your possession? Yes, I do. And would you open that? I do three and possibly I will compare. A- am I invited over? <laughs> I just invited myself. <laughs> I would be very happy that you come. I'll be knocking on the door. Am I? What kind of shape do you think that that wine is likely to be in after all these years? What we can see, it's clear. It's clear. There is no haze and there is no sediment and there is no browning. So you believe that that wine is in good shape and drinkable? Yes. 19 years after that wine was made, it was tasted by one spectator in San Francisco and scored 96 points. 19 years old. 19 years later. Later. And it got a 96. 96. Amazing. Longevity is part of my style of winemaking. What is the secret to longevity when it comes to wine? Watch them always and create conditions for them that they need. What's the biggest mistake that winemakers make? I have to judge what they need. Like mama, I have to judge what children need. If you need their needs, if they are well made, they can last a long time. Yeah. So every child is different. Every child is different. I have tasted at the Coppola, 1898 Cabernet Sauvignon. <laughs> wow. I was still unspoiled. Yeah. He went for my dinner and we went down to the cellar and there was dust all around and we took one bottle and label was handwritten. Is that the oldest wine you've ever tasted? Thank you so very much for spending this very special hour with us this week, celebrating the life of Mike Gergich. We look so forward to seeing you back here next week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.